Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates, and Happy New Year! Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. You're sitting here with the other host, Casey Clapp. Alex Croson, Happy New Year. We made it. We made it to the new year? Yeah, we did. We did. Everybody's still alive and kicking and talking about trees. Yeah, pretty much right. And uh, this, is a, this is an exciting new year. This is our first episode of the new year, which uh, I had to admit to you last, uh, I guess it wasn't even last week, it was uh, yesterday. Last year. On oh. our Patreon episode. Yes. That I prefer to see the new year as actually the solstice. Right. It feels like a good actual break, you know? So the more I think about it, the more new year is is kind of arbitrary. It's it's the arbitrary like why didn't we line the months up? It's just, just a, little a little bit over? off. Yeah, know? why why is it just a little bit yeah. off? Why can't we have, why can't we have like just just make that? You know like uh daylight savings time is just an arbitrary thing. There was a whole radio lab about the entire idea of time. Yeah. Have you did you ever listen to that? No. Oh my god, Alex, you got to listen to it. Uh, of course. It's all about how trains are what made standardized time around the entire world a thing. Oh, wow. Because the every little city would just be like, yeah, it's noon when the sun's at the top. Done. They would end it there. But then, if you were on a train going from Chicago mm. to uh, Denver, mm-hmm. then the train would need to know what time its schedule gets to each spot. Right. And so it couldn't just say, yeah, about noon on this day, because that would be maybe an hour later, an hour before. See, that doesn't seem that interesting to me for some uh, okay, reason. Okay, that's fair. But, you know, the whole point here is that... <laughs> so rude, Alex. It's, it's very rude. But you know what? I get this a lot, actually. You'd be surprised how many people, Alex, are uninterested in what uh, we have to say about oh, trees. <laughs> Casey, I, I invented people not being interested uh, that, in what I have to that say. That is Please. true. Okay, fair. Um, so, my point being, uh, if we would just arbitrarily, I don't know, do we have to have a bill in Congress to just move... The move New Year's Day. Why not just? Why not just? You can just live this way if you want, and, and and everybody else can live the way they want. So, why does it have to be a, a okay. federal law? Well, that way everyone can live with me. Like I, I guess I want validation. Is all. Uh, well, that's on you, my man. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. <laughs> But couldn't you? Okay, so maybe next year that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a solstice, and I'm going to stay up till 12, uh, 12 p.m. and drink a bunch of champagne on the twenty first. On the twenty first yeah. of the month, right of December, and then after that, do all the rest of the hullabaloo for the holidays, and then on the first, on the thirty first, I'm just going to be like, what is every what? Is, why is everyone? Going crazy yeah. right now. What's the big deal? People are going to love that. I'm just going to completely ignore be, that it exists. Be that guy that's like, you know, 
really you should be celebrating on the 21st <laughs> yeah. as you're alone in your home. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> else is out partying. Oh, that sounds so great. But they're the losers. Yeah, because I'm going to wake <clears throat> up the next day and be like, you guys, it's all the same. Yeah. You're fools. You're oh. sheep. These people who are like, why does everybody act like the new year means anything? I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's what, that's going to be me. Anyway, sorry, I was a little off topic. That's okay. Hey, I mean, it's very appropriate that we start our year with a big off topic rant about time. Yeah, that is fair. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Alex. Um, so Casey, one, one thing this new year is uh, you have a new microphone. I do. This is my... <laughs> Standard SD1 mic that I can talk into that's very heavy. Yes, it's and, a universal uh, audio dy- dynamic standard SD1. Yeah, so I can talk from here or here or here. That's not quite. Or here. Yeah, there is good. Or here. Or here. Yeah, it's different different tonal qualities, I yeah, guess. Is the other, well, I guess, yeah. So my last mic, which uh, we still have, it's a it was Sure. No, it wasn't Sure, was no, it? No, it like it's, it's like a Samson USB mic. Yes, yeah. That got me started doing this. <laughs> it was so good. Someday it's going to it's going to be in a glass box on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to sell it at a at a uh, a Sullivan's auction at, for, you yes. know, some crazy amount. It's going to be on your Nike campus. Yeah, you know, exactly. How they have the first shoe. <laughs> yeah, totally. Great. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, but re- yeah, we're, we're getting used to this, like where to yeah. speak, because you have been muscle memory trained for two years. Yeah. To speak at a certain length away from your microphone. Yeah, I'm, I've been trying to, if I could feel the hairs of my facial hair wipe on the 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 cover. Yeah. I was doing good. Right. This is a different situation. You got to yeah. get used to a new, this new distance. I got to grow my facial hair out is what I'm hearing. And yes, definitely. Yeah, Fu Manchu is preferred. <laughs> I got to get a Fu Manchu. It's just for my technical abilities on the mic. Okay, guys. <laughs> and yesterday I realized that I have to make a, I have to make a new eq preset for oh, you because you're on yeah. a new microphone it was it was really fun and i got that all dialed in i was like damn it sounds good damn listen listen to that guy yeah thanks alex thanks for making me sound good it's a little less boomy now ah uh, yes yes so apologies yes. to all those people who loved our boominess and who loved my boominess it was yeah. bombastic and boomy casey casey a happy new year to you and a happy new tree yes that we get to talk about today and that tree is the red maple Boo, boo, hiss. Oh, come on, guys. Come on. Stop, boo. stop. Quiet down. Tomato, Quiet tomato. down. Yes. We're doing the red maple, and I personally think this is a great tree to start out the new year with. Okay. On a bit of a down note. Um... Yeah, I've heard I've heard tell that people <laughs> okay, don't like this tree. I don't know why. Oh yeah, you, you've heard through the ether of its, yeah. uh, uh, you know, less than stellar qualities or its great qualities. Right. I, I sort of equate it to like a is wait is the crimson king a red maple? Uh, no, the crimson king is a yes, crimson king. There's a crimson king and a crimson queen. Oh, the king is a Norway maple. Norway the queen maple. is a Japanese maple. Okay. Yes. So I'm assuming that. In the same way, people don't like Norway maples. People yeah. don't like red maples. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it. Yeah, and that is um, it. I, you know what, Alex, you're right. I'm I'm sorry in advance to everybody who's out there listening to this, or for everyone who's excited because it's kind of like it's kind of like the Starbucks of trees. I see. There's one on every corner. There's one on every goddamn corner. There is one 
everywhere you didn't expect it to be, where you wanted there to be a way cooler coffee shop, it's a Starbucks. You know what's funny? I When I Google Red Maple and go to Google Images, yeah. I would say 85% of the images here have are, a Starbucks in them. are of a Red Maple in front of a, a suburban home. Yes. Oh, my God. That's when we talked about the uh, the suburbs trees. Yeah. Um, the, the, the quintessential tree to be planted in the middle, in the front yard of everyone's house, I believe was a Red Maple. Yeah. So it became over time this purple leaf plum, but the like I think the standard uh, like Levittown what they wrote in there was a red maple. I see. It is, it is. I mean the Starbucks. I think that's a perfect example. Yeah. Obviously, it's very popular. So you gotta like you, you can't just hate on it. You gotta look at it from the other side of the story and be like, well, people like it. People think it's a great treat. Right. But maybe it's just the marketing really worked out well for this tree. Mm. And it's not that great of a tree. But now that people are just into it, maybe they're like, yeah, I'm into trees. So they drink red maple. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, this reminds me of a tree that would be like in a Sears catalog in the 50s. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's exactly right. Did you know that like a craftsman house is a Sears craftsman house? Really? Yeah. I'm pretty positive. I didn't look up the 100% facts on this, but uh, you could have bought a house from a Sears catalog way back in the day. Do they deliver it already built? No, they would deliver it, and then you'd have to hire someone just to put it together. Wow, like Ikea furniture. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was a, a, uh, a mail-order house. And this is a mail-order tree. It's a mail-order tree. And Alex, I mean that, and you just hit it so, so spot-on on the head in a literal sense. Okay. It's mind blowing, but we, I, it, there's too much to get into right off the bat. I, as soon as we You're start busting, going, look at you, I know I'm ready to go because I have so much to talk about with this particular tree All right. that I don't like, if we start, if we start too soon, it's all going to, it's all going to come. You can't stop the flow. You'd say, all right, we're going to take a break, but Alex, and then I would just keep on. Oh, it's going to be one of those episodes. It's not going to be one well, of those Well, at least episodes. you're self-aware, Casey. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm telling you right now, take a break now or don't take a break ever. <laughs> Should I go pee really fast? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. You take everyone, go get a cup of your favorite Starbucks coffee. Wow. And then come back because we're going to talk about that coffee for the next 45 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, more on the red maple right after this. We'll be right back with more completely arbitrary 2023. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu. Dot edu slash podcast. 
Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary 2023-3-3. Should we have some sort of gimmick this year, Casey? Uh, yeah, you should. it should be um, like that. What is... Uh, do you remember in, um, I think, not Community, but Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. there were the two radio stations. One was the NPR station. Right. And the other was like the the exciting one. The douche. They, the douche. They would always put on like uh, like those sounds, like fart sounds and yeah, things like that. Yeah. That's what we should do. Okay. That yeah. doesn't sound annoying. Well, you asked me and I told you, so <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm telling you, your idea is bad. <laughs> your idea sucks. Uh, Casey, today we're talking about the red maple Acer rubrum. Acer rubrum, that is right. Uh, rubrum meaning red. Well, there you go. Acer meaning maple. There you go. This is uh, Any other wow. Questions out rough there? to a strong start with the red maple. <laughs> what a boring ass name. It it is. It kind of is. It's like it's it's like when you first um, actually. You know what? It's not boring, and here's why. Hmm. Everything about this tree is red. Like almost. Almost everything, except maybe the bark. Okay. So I think actually of most trees, it's really earned that name. Like the black pine, for instance. Uh-huh. It's not really black. There's not a whole lot to it. So this is a capital R red tree. Yes. Okay. I, I will I will give it that. Of all the trees that you could call a red maple, uh-huh. this is the one that truly has earned the title. Okay. I'll well, give it to it. let's imagine, Casey, that you and I... Our first stroll of the year. Yeah. Honestly, it's a beautiful day for it, too, isn't it? It is. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think sure. so. Yeah. It's not raining. No, that's true. You and I are walking through a nice suburb of Port. Hey, we're walking through the, the beautiful hills of Hillsboro. Oh, beautiful. Yes. <laughs> the, borough, the borrowed hills of yep. Hillsboro. We're walking specifically through a subdevelopment. There we go. And we come across some red maple in somebody's front yard. Casey, let's ID this tree let's begin so the first thing you'll notice as you're walking up to this tree is it is extremely uniform in just its growth habit it looks Hmm. like like the quintessential a child drew a a stick and drew a circle on top of it yeah that's it they did it it's perfect i would say that this tree ends up being a little bit more um oval in shape as it gets older like Like, a tall circle yeah exactly so the circle it doesn't get too much wider than uh it is tall so at the beginning it is a kind of tall skinny tree as it grows wider and up and out it becomes it like goes from a small circle to a elongated oval got it so you'll notice it is it's quite nice. It's quite uniform. It has very smooth bark when it's very young and it's not a giant tree. And you'll see that the the leaves are, are kind of small. So it's got kind of a canopy that you walk into and you're like, okay, they're, they're okay. Yeah, I, I see. It's got some texture to it. It's got a little bit of uh, a little bit of flair, but nothing that's like, wow, that's mm. outstanding. Like I said, it's very much that a child drew a tree with a circle on it. You know, and, a circle and on God stick. made it real. Exactly. Yeah, this is it. This is that tree. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you, children everywhere. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, children everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a like a um, uh, uh, song that someone would write for a benefit concert in for the For sure, 80s. yeah. I was going to yeah. say a fundraiser for like a children's hospital. Yeah, there you go. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. <laughs> Um, so as you get closer to the tree, you'll see that it's a maple. Of course, it has leaves that are oppositely arranged along the twig. It is red, 
the twigs at the very beginning when they're like the first or second year they're red hell yeah when the leaves come out they're a dark red the petioles are red and then they fade to green over the the course of the the kind of the springtime awakening Mm. At the very beginning, before there are even leaves on the tree, if you get there and you start really taking a close look in, uh, let's say, early spring, then you'll see that the buds, before they pop, are very uniform. It's actually, like, I'm going to show you this picture, and if you go to our uh, the show notes, you'll see the, um, the link of the description of the tree. Yeah. The very first one. And click through those photos. Uh, without the leaves on it, the the oppositeness of the twigs is so very clear, where it looks almost like um, a herringbone of a fish, you know, like a scale of a fish, or not a scale, the bones of a fish. Yeah, like the rib bones. Exactly. And you can see one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, yeah. just popping out exactly. So those are those are oppositely arranged. Those are oppositely arranged twigs, yeah. So everything is oppositely arranged. So of course, if you have buds that are oppositely arranged, then the leaves will be. Then that means that the branches that come from those buds will also be oppositely arranged. So the whole form of the tree is just a fractal of oppositely arranged things. Is that true of most trees that they're well, they're either oppositely or alternately mm-hmm. arranged? If yeah. if the twigs are alternately arranged, then the buds are alternately arranged, yes. and the leaves are alternately arranged. Exactly, because they all start from those buds. So so whatever the buds are, the rest of everything will follow. Right. Oh yeah, we talked about that first. The uh, the, the prim- yeah, that primary that lead, just yeah. the the apical meristem, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Of course, obviously. And how it it's just like sets a, a thing in motion and then hits copy paste 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 paste. paste yeah, paste, exactly. And does uh, the exact same thing over and totally. over again until the tree's big. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the only thing that happens is sometimes a twig on the left or the right side will die uh, for whatever reason. And then you don't have that same opposite appearance because one bud or twig or whatever on one side perished and the other did not. So then it looks like it's alternate or it Mm -hmm. looks like there's just not an opposite to it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Great job. Everyone out there still following along? Yes. Good. A chorus of yeses. A chorus. So um, so you'll notice that it has these amazing little buds. If you're, you're again, finding it in early, uh, early spring, late winter, the buds are oppositely arranged as well. They are dark red little balls. They look like they are these, like, honestly, I have to say, they look like little balls. You okay. have left and right and you have a twig in the middle they oh, they become very kind of very phallic they're just talking about testicles everybody. i'm talking about testicles when are you not talking about testicles? that's a good point honestly everyone listen back with your eyes open through this entire <laughs> two years of this podcast this is the ultimate sixth sense reveal <laughs> it's, yeah it's all been about balls <laughs> So they, it's not always like that. You have some of the, at the terminal spot and they have, um, but they're, they're really interesting because they, they are very, very round and they all pop out from the same spot, Mm. but you have the flower buds and the leaf buds and the vegetative buds all in the same spot. Okay. So it's just like you have these like maybe six or eight little buds buds all right next to each other then a little space of a twig and then a bunch of buds right next to each other and then a little space and then a bunch of buds right next to each other then when they actually bloom and put out their flowers they put out flowers with little tiny red petals and sepals and on some branches they are pistolate flowers and they on other branches they're staminate flowers on the same tree that is male and female flowers yes exactly okay. 
and there are little red flowers on these little red twigs coming out of these little red buds on the end of these red maple trees. It's very nice. I guess it's it's starting to feel... I understand what you mean by this thing deserves the name Red Maple. Oh, yeah. It, it really does. And we haven't even got to really the big, intense part about why this is called that. Should we right now? Oh, no, no, no. Because we're not even done here. They As soon as they those little flowers come out, mm. they then have their fruit, those little double Samaras. And the double Samaras come out, they're about a 60-degree angle from each mm. other. And they are very small, like kind of like maybe an inch entirely, maybe a little bit more, like both of them put together from tip to tip. Okay. And they come out really early, like before the leaves are even out. Hmm. They will have been starting to come out, and then they will be dropped by the first maybe early, early summer. All of their Samaras have dropped away. They're red, just in case you were wondering. So this is that the Samara is the fruit of the maple, correct? Right? Okay. Yeah, it's those little double helicopters that yeah, you get. Yeah. yeah, classic classic maple identification. Exactly. Thing. Yeah, and they always come out in doubles for a maple. So they hmm. have the uh, these little seeds with these big wings that come out left yeah. and right. And there is like an ash tree, for instance, will have a single Samara ah, that hangs down. Okay. So the double Samara, if you break it at the base, then you have that twisty little thing that'll fly. Right. That is also red the leaves come out they first come out and they're you know they have like tinges of red in them but they're really just green leaves like anything normal and then you go through the entire summer season and then in the fall oh my god they explode they're some of the first trees to actually put out their fall color in the fall and it is red yeah like the the deepest crimson you can kind of imagine see i i think it's like it's maybe not deepest the most thorough it's pretty it's like they turn the saturation way up on this tree. oh they do yeah they really do and some of them uh some of them will actually like start to turn color and be like a little bit yellow depending on the the specific species and where it's from if it's wild what its genes are yeah they can be anywhere from like a yellow orange to a very like intense ruby red it's pretty fucking red. It is. It, honestly, the redness of it reminds me often of the color of like a, a crab shell or a, a lobster or something. Oh, yeah. When you boil it and then you pull it out and it's like, wham. Yeah. That's what I, that reminds me of. Lobster red. It's lobster red. It's red lobster. It's red. This is the red lobster of trees, wow. Alex. Ooh. At least in the fall. Can we talk about Cheddar Bay Biscuits really yeah, fast? Yeah, we sure can. You know, they sell them, they sell them the mix in like a box. Oh, yeah. they People went so crazy for those yeah. that you can, like, people have copied the recipe. Oh, people yeah. People have done everything. So good. It's brilliant. They are really delicious. Lily and I had them for, we made them for Thanksgiving. Nice. And they were just delicious. See, I've tried to make my own. Uh, just like with my own recipe. It's not the same. It's not the same. I'm not as no. good. I'm not very good. You so. need those chemicals to make it to uh, make it perfectly yes. curated biscuit. This is why we go to the Red Lobster. <laughs> um, the the bark, Alex, uh, because we can talk about it, it's really utility bark. Yeah, it looks fine. Yeah, when it's young, it's very smooth and very grayish, whitish. Then as it gets older, though, it becomes way thicker furrowed and develops like these big plates that don't pop off. They just kind of look like you could just go over there and like whoop, 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 and just like pull them off, but they don't come off. They're very hard. They're very, yeah, they're very just tough. like long, long plates. Exactly. Long plates that go up the tree. Eh, eh whatever. They're fine. The bark is lovely. I, I do like it. Um, I have to say, 
the older the bark gets, the more texture and interesting patterns it develops. Uh-huh. And I do prefer that. I think they look nice. This is interesting. I was just looking at a photo of the young bark, yeah. and I quite like it. Okay, there you go. It's so, paper white. And, it is. Uh, it's, it's got really smooth, isn't it? lenticels all over it. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So this... That is how you identify this tree. There's another way you can identify this tree, mm. Alex. You can walk out into the woods <laughs> anywhere east of the, the Mississippi from Florida to Manitoba, hmm. and you can point at a tree and you can say, that's a red maple. You'll probably be right. I see. It's apparently the most common, according to the Forest Service, the most common tree Eastern in the Eastern United States, Eastern Canada, Eastern North America. Wow. Just outright. That's impressive. It really is. Is that from a, is that from a like planting standpoint or is that from a natural growth standpoint as well? Oh my God. Great question. It is a natural growth. That's impressive. This tree is not a, uh, a tree that is used for timber or anything like that. The wood's very brittle. It has, um, it's called a soft maple which means essentially the wood is not hard. Generally, you have um, your hardwoods are your broadleaf trees. Mm-hmm. The wood is harder. Softwoods are conifers. The wood is generally a little bit less intense. However, mm. uh, those are just like these big broad categories where right. there's like so many exceptions to where it's kind of a pointless thing. This is one of the exceptions to the quote hard woods. It's a hard wood with soft wood. Yes. God, Alex, you get it, man. <laughs> you just, you just get it. You as, just get it. As I take a, <laughs> you know, it's like <sighs> hardwood, but soft wood. <laughs> wow. Pass that like, Scooby snack. It's like not deep, but I'm smoking weed. So I yeah. think it is. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> So that's the it's it's amazingly common tree naturally, but it is so good at growing anywhere all the time that it's also one of the most common trees planted anywhere. Okay. And this is where we really start getting into what we're going to be talking about today. As if it needs the exposure, you know, As like if it, it already it already grows so well naturally. Oh, we got to plant it everywhere too. Yeah, it's um, like it's like putting Mark Zuckerberg on the front of some magazine. It's like we mm. already know he's already out there. He doesn't need any more. It's like hiring Chris Pratt for another fucking movie. <laughs> Wow, that's that's hurtful. He's famous enough. He is. He is famous. He gets enough, to be yeah. everything. Just let's let give another actor a part. So it, it, this is the Chris Pratt of the trees, man. Okay, so that's our third metaphor: Red Lobster, Chris Pratt, and Starbucks. There you go. I. There's our episode title. There it is. <laughs> so our tree today, uh, our red maple, mm-hmm. has been planted over in the eastern United States, over in Europe for centuries. I think it was introduced to Europe sometime in like the 1600s when like people first came over. Uh, very likely it was like the first tree they saw. So mm. they're like, oh, hey, okay, go red maple. Let's take it back to Europe and plant it. It grows so well, it takes soil conditions um, from the the swamp. Like, absolutely, uh, there's water growing. It will be like, hey, Willow, what's up? And pop up right next to it. It doesn't like to be there all the time, but red maple and sweet gum, you can find them growing next to each other all the time. Mm. You cut one of them down, and it will sprout back. So they have a lot in common, these two trees, including they have very shallow roots, where if you walk downtown in Portland and you walk and you see a little tree well cut out yeah. with a tree in the middle 
if that tree well is completely covered with roots, like it looks like there is a pavement of roots. Yeah. It's just one big giant wooden, like, like bumpy plaid, bumpy flat thing. All roots. You don't even need to look up. That's a red maple. Yeah. If not a red maple, it's a hybrid with a red maple because that's what they do. So red maples fuck up the concrete just like sweet gum? Yeah, totally okay. do. They 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 wreck it. They will often have shallow roots that will grow right underneath your pavement. Man, what an oversight. Oh, my God. But that's the thing. In the North Carolina State University, uh-huh. uh, they, they have a little fact sheet, which I have linked because it's a good fact sheet except for a few things. Um, so... It says, this tree is the best choice for a soft maple. It makes an excellent lawn, park, or street tree. It has some tolerance for air pollution. The light, cream-colored wood, which is known commercially as soft maple, is heavy, close-grained, and rather weak. It's used as a pulp wood and is manufactured of furniture and woodenware. Who's paying them, Casey? All in one sentence, they say, ah, this is a great tree. It's commercially not very important, but is close-grained, heavy. It's also used for all these other things. And then it says uh, the insects, disease, and other problems. And it's like the roots can rot. It breaks in wind and ice. It has all these different different insects that get on it. It has a bunch of different things. It'll buckle nearby sidewalks. So like within the fruit, within like two paragraphs, it says... This is one of the best choices of a tree and then goes down to explain why that best choice is the worst choice. Yeah. It's like, what? This reads like one of those pharmaceutical commercials with a huge list <laughs> yes. of side effects. This is totally, this is the like Prilosec of, of yes. trees or whatever. Ask your arborist about red maple. <laughs> oh, can we make a commercial about this, please? Sure. <laughs> so at the, at the end of the day, um, the red maple was planted a bunch. It grows really well in the worst conditions. What are some of the worst conditions you can think of? The tree well in a city. Mm, yeah. What else? Maybe the lawn, the front lawn that just got scraped entirely, compacted, and turned into a hellscape that now you're going to turn into a beautiful, perfect lawn. When you say conditions, yeah. you're not talking about like climate, are you? No, not right now. Okay. No, this it's not is, like this can grow anywhere. No, yeah. It, it, funny enough, it pretty much can from like Florida to Manitoba, Canada. Oh, okay. So it can take all these different conditions. The thing is, you can't plant a Floridian maple in a Manitoba maple spot or should you or should you they'll actually they've done a lot of research on this because this is one of the most researched and used trees mm. there's ever been because it's so common and grows everywhere so well I see. that they're like well also it's been planted everywhere so it's a good representation we can use this tree for science it's like the it's a mouse of science trees wow you can it everywhere has planted thousands the city of portland hold on let me do my let me do my math here 7.1 percent of the total 218 trees that they inventoried at their last inventory which was done in 2017 2018 uh-huh. there are 15,475 red maples in the city of portland just in the street trees what, what's that total 618,000 uh 218,000 trees okay. so it's 7.1 of all of the trees in the city of Portland. And this isn't even where it grows voraciously. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. This tree grows so well and has been marketed between things like what we talked about earlier, planted in all the front yards and all the street trees, where it's become ubiquitous 
And the growers here and in Ohio and in Pennsylvania mm. grow thousands of them. Schmidt's Nursery, it's one of the biggest nurseries in the entire United States. Wow. It's banked right here in Boring, Oregon. That's mm. where they have a lot of their, their things. They grow and send uh, red maples over to the east by the truckload. Wow. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And they grow it. They have themselves introduced thousands or at least several different cultivars. I shouldn't use thousands there. That's a little bit much. But there are... All they've done is grow some that grow a little bit taller, grow ones that are a little bit wider, grow ones that have a intense orangish yellow color, okay. an intense red color. Let me give you some of these. They're, they're fine-tuning this thing in yeah. unnecessary ways, potentially. It, exactly. Okay. So there's Autumn Spire, Autumn Radiance, Autumn mm. Flame. There's Northwood, October Glory, Red Point, Red Sunset. And it just keeps going and going and going. This kind of harkens back to our discussion on the pot on a, on the Patreon yesterday yeah. about vanilla and how oh, it's yeah. like French vanilla, vanilla bean, vanilla. There's all these different kinds. And it's like, what is the difference? Yeah, yeah. That okay. is a really good question. They've also hybridized this with the silver maple, of which it is a very close cousin, mm-hmm. and created a whole other section, which is a tree called the Acer X Freemanii, which is the Freeman maple. But the Freeman maple is a hybrid between these two, but it has another huge amount of things. There's Armstrong, Autumn Blaze, oh, Celebration, Sienna Glory, Sienna Glen. So they're, this is they want to make like a catalog. Like yeah. here's here's the fifteen hundred different varieties you can choose from. I get yes. analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. This is my this is my hack stand up comedy. <laughs> I, I can't even open Netflix without getting a headache. I don't know what I want to watch. I don't know what I want to watch, so I end up just watching all the, uh, the the trailers go through. That is a thing. Let's move on. So, um, the big thing that you'll notice we're talking about here is the same tree everywhere all the time. To, uh, to ad nauseum. Yes. And I wish that I could like really express um, the, the, the too big to failness of this tree because it has been planted almost everywhere, even though it like will destroy so many things. And it's a boring tree for all intents and purposes, except for it gets some really nice red color. But every basic person who goes to Starbucks to get their basic coffee will want to see this basic tree. I'm sorry if I've offended anyone out there. Please keep going to Starbucks. Mm. I heart you. I'm impassioned. Therefore, I speak sometimes without knowing what I'm saying. Wow. This is a basic tree. Yeah. But because it is so, so planted everywhere and so easy to grow and so cheap to grow that everyone is still planting it and it's now the tree. Whenever someone's like, oh, I just want to plant, I just want to plant a maple tree. This is the tree they're thinking of. Yeah. It's one, I feel like it's one of those trees. We talked about a few of these that like its popularity was like reverse engineered. Yeah, totally. Just by making it really cheap and selling it fucking everywhere. And now, it now became it's actually popular. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
it's it is it's mind blowing, and because of that, all the research is done on red maple because mm. that's the the easiest tree to get for super cheap for these researchers who have no money. Oh wow! And then it gets planted all over the place, and then the researchers like actually this is probably the most applicable tree we could use and do research on, and then you get the self uh, the self perpetuating system, right? So are they still learning things about the red maple? I mean, how much research um, can you do on one tree? Well, it's more like they're doing things. About about uh, let's say different soil types, so they're saying, okay, we know the red maple generally grow like this. I see. So if we plant them in different soil type situations or different water regimes or different, you name it, different fungal associates. Yes, exactly. Then you'll be able to measure them and know and see the differences really well because they're so okay. well studied. So it's not necessarily that they're interested in the tree; they're interested in how the tree responds to a situation, so they can make a conclusion about that situation in that instance i would i would think that the research could be never ending like you could yeah. always try some new combination of something exactly yeah totally okay. totally true hmm. um and so the this brings us to our next little section here now that you have some kind of understanding of where this tree comes from and you know that it is the most popular tree to be planted anywhere mm-hmm. then you're like well hold on let's let's start analyzing this a little bit if that is the case, then this tree is everywhere. What happens if we get Dutch red maple disease? Oh, shit. Right? Oh, my God. That would be, uh, yeah, that would be something. It would it would destroy right in, in however many much time it takes to do it, 7.1% of Portland's urban forest. And that's just the street trees. That doesn't include all those that are in the parks, in people's front yards. It doesn't include ones that we have uh, planted outside the city limits of Portland, in Hillsborough, Clackamas County, in any other city that hasn't done the same thing, mm-hmm. but also all the cities that have have done the same thing and said, wow, yeah, actually, this is a problem. We have so many of these trees. Well, would its would its cultivar diversity protect it in some yeah, way? Yeah, potentially, but it's still the it's still kind of the same thing. The diversity yeah. is uh, not necessarily coming from all these wild things coming in and adding this new diversity. It is only the It's only the things that they are adding in. So they say, well, that's a really red tree, and that is a really red tree. Let's put those together. They put those together, then they breed them again with the same things to get the reddest of the reddest of the reddest. Okay. So it's not necessarily that there is a a really good amount of diversity, because then also after that, they're going to be taking cuttings and then planting essentially clones of these trees, Mm. because that's the easiest, quickest way to propagate a tree with the same exact characteristics from the tree that you took it from. So maybe the genetic... Uh, fiddle faddling they're doing is pretty shallow. Yeah, it's it's the same kind of genetic thing that we do for anything. Okay. Where you know to get the perfect quince and the perfect apple, the the genes have right. to remain the same. So then, if you add something new in, it changes the whole thing. Okay. So, um, way back when, Alex, I did a research paper. Yeah. That research paper was on 
conifers. The New York Times. Oh, it was sorry. in. It was in the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. you. You can find it in www.thenewyorktimes.com. God, that'd be insane. I, I have to say, unfortunately, it's not in the New York Times. Okay. Meanwhile, it was in a journal. I think it was like the Journal of Urban Forestry and Arboriculture. I can't really remember off the top of my head. Oh. Um, it was no. It was in the Arboricultural Journal, which is printed out of the UK. I think. Okay. So what we did is, I basically was making an argument that we should maybe look into research and use conifers in the urban area a little bit more. Hmm. That was kind of my thesis statement. Okay. And I went through a bunch of things to basically say, well, what can they add that another thing doesn't have? And without talking too much about the conifer side of it, which, uh, again, go to our show notes if you want to read through that paper and get some nice rest. Here, today, I wanted to talk a little bit about that diversity thing that we touched on just like 30 seconds ago. So, in general, uh, what is important about diversity, Alex? Uh, in general? Yeah. Like uh, in the botanically? Spectrum. Either one. Botanically okay. or in, say, human life. Well, diversity, uh, diversity, I, I can, I can speak more, more, I'll speak about it botanically. Okay. Uh, diversity strengthens an ecosystem. What a perfect, that's, that, that was perfect. And that'll be for, that'll be for humans too. It does. It, so the way that I, um, described it, um, and that this is, this comes from a bunch of different researchers as well. So again, go read the paper and you know, my citations, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but essentially what it does is, uh, it, diversity increases stability in a in a system yeah and it doesn't matter what that system is an ecosystem or another ecosystem that just happens to be a city so in terms of uh of a natural system diversity leads to stability but it leads to it in two specific ways the first is the ability of that system to withstand disturbance and bounce back from it right can i give an example yes okay so if you have a blight that comes into your forest Uh that affects only red maples let's say yeah yeah and your forest is made entirely of red maples yes it's going to kill every tree in the forest exactly if you have 15 percent red maples and 15 percent live oak and 15% ash and 15, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you're only losing 15% of your trees. Yes, exactly. And that, and also that affects every animal who lives in that area. Oh, sure, too, yeah, there's, there's ramifications and, yeah. that kind of come down. So yeah, yeah the, the, the more diverse your forest, the less a harmful entity will be able to affect it. Exactly. And that and so the two main things, the first one, the tolerance is what you're talking about. Like if if it just comes in and it's going to smash into it, yeah. how good are you at basically stopping and taking that hit, you know? Right. Like if someone comes and punches you, how how good are you at just like taking that and not like completely falling over? Versus resilience, which is how quickly it can come back to whatever stable system or stable level it was at. Okay. Okay. So if you get punched, not you, one gets punched. Thank you. Uh, you get punched. If you just don't move, you have a high resistance or high tolerance. Mm. If you move, but then you come right back really quickly, then you have a high resilience. So there's two different big things. Was, okay. Yeah. So that, does that make sense? You know what? I'm going to make a video game analogy. I'm sorry about Please this, Casey. Please do. What are you talking about? Well, there's, you know, in an, in an RPG yeah. role-playing game, 
you have different st- stats yeah. or st- statistics. You might have strength, uh-huh. intellect, yeah. or intelligence, agility, it, stamina. It sounds right? a lot like a tournament of champion trees, <laughs> Alex. It very well could be. Okay. We should do a video game theme this year. <laughs> oh, I would <laughs> die. Um, so you might have health, uh, stamina, yeah. and regen, right? Yes. Health is how much health points you have. Okay. Stamina might be like how much damage you take from any given hit, like a hundred percent of that damage or mm-hmm. 80% of that damage. Yeah. Sometimes stamina is the same thing as health. Um, and you might have armor, which like blocks some of that damage. Yeah. And then you have regen, which is how fast your health regenerates after you get hit. hundred percent. So it's, it's one of these things and you take, you, yeah. you go ahead and finish the point. <laughs> Basically your point is having a diversity of those traits in having a lot or having a diversity right. of characters that have differences in those traits uh-huh. will make your entire unit stronger. Or even if I put all of my points into armor and yeah. no points into health, yeah. I can maybe take a lot of hits, but if I take one too many hits, I'm you, dead. You're instantly. done. You're yeah. kaput. It's exactly it. It's maybe I think that's, not a great... Uh, it's it so-so. Is. I, I, it's, I think it, it, it does a good job at... at kind of giving a visual idea in a different format entirely of what we're talking about. For about 3% of our listeners. Hey, all of them are important (laughs) to us. That's right. Um, Exactly. So diversity in a natural ecosystem uh, is, they measure it a lot in production, which is just how much carbon is basically, you know, sucked in or used or produced or something like this. Whereas in the urban forest, we would look at that more properly in terms of ecosystem services. Right. if you do have 15% of your canopy is a red maple, red maple disease comes through, kills all of your red maples, now you have lost 15%. The rest of the the forest, the rest of the whole system needs to then make up for that lost 15%. How much and how, or what does it take to get there and how quickly does it get there to get back to this this base level of ecosystem services that it's providing. I got you. So that is the big diversity thing that people are trying to like accomplish. You want the highest resilience and the highest resistance that you can. And the bigger your diversity, the better you are at doing that. So people have come up with ideas of like, okay, well, what, what does that look like? And the biggest, most like, obvious and like quickest one the the one that all the the teachers will have taught over the last like 10 or 15 actually no since like the 1990s like 30 years is the 10 20 30 rule or they call it the 10 percent rule okay that is in a given Mm. uh selection of forest like whatever you make those you know the the brackets around you want no more than 10 percent of any species okay no more (gasps) of 20 percent of any family yeah Uh, i'm sorry genus genus and 30% 30% the family. Right. You get it. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, it's really, it's a good thing to be like, okay, let's shoot for that. And anytime you are planting something and you're about to reach that number, eh, stop there and move to the next thing. But we've been planting trees in cities for centuries. We didn't really come up with that, or at least it wasn't like published. It was a rule of thumb for a while. Mm-hmm. And then other people like, you know, published, oh, 10% of this, no more than 5% of that. And there's like a lot of these, I think I found like five or six or seven different individual numbers that someone came up with at some point with no real like analysis of it. They just said, eh, this is probably good. Mm. Now people are going back and saying, well, can we analyze this? Like, what is, what, what is, 
what are they trying to say? Is there more or less? Like, what's the empirical data backing this up? I think quickly we should give the 10, 20, 30 rule again. Yeah. Because I, I like excitedly stammered over you oh, as you were shoot. trying to say it. All right. In any given urban forest, yeah. you want no more than 10% of the same species. Correct. 20% of the same genus. Yes. And 30% of the same family. Yes. As a representation of all of the plants or all the trees growing there in terms of diversity exactly got it so that is that's the that's the big main idea and in my paper i question that i'm like well that's only diversity in terms of taxonomy and also you could meet that rule if you had 10 different species and that's it did you have to meet with the board of the ISA, like Martin Luther? Oh, man. <laughs> I wish. That would have been cool. But no, I didn't, I, I didn't do as much research as I probably could have to get, a, uh, to get a, a, uh, an attendance at the court. So I didn't. No. <laughs> but there, the, the big thing is, I was like, okay, cool. Well, what if we just pick 10 different species and we make mm. those from, so it's 20% of any genus, which means you could have two species from one genus and that will meet the 10 and the 20% rule. I I didn't do it, but if you wanted right now, we could come up with those trees right off the top of my head. No, let's not. I I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) That's 10 minutes we we can use for other things. Um, And then with the, with the family, it would be just as easy to do that. That's okay, Alex. I, sometimes I know these things. People understand what we're saying. They get us. They get it. Um, so with the, with the families, you only need a total of four different families. Okay. Right. Yeah. 30, 30, 30. And the last 10% would have to be another family. Okay. So that's a, that's a pretty shitty diversity. Don't you think where we could have two maple species, we could have then two oak trees and then so on and so forth. We already have four trees that are already well planted and have a huge amount of trees. If we go out and look at the city of Portland and we just pick oaks and maples, We've blasted off. I think it's oaks in Portland. It's um, maples and cherries or anything in the rose family Mm -hmm. makes up like 50% of our trees. It's a crazy amount. I don't know, though, Kay. I mean, like, you're the researcher. I'm the layman. Well, let's talk about it. This This is the whole point. But I think from a practical perspective, that doesn't sound that not diverse. Mm. I, I, you know, a forest in the Pacific Northwest can't grow trees that might grow all around the world. Yeah, that's fair. And like in any given forest, there's probably 10 different species that are growing. Like if you go up near Mount Hood, Uh you can probably find maybe 10 to 15 species of tree and that's it in the entire forest. Yeah, I guess that when you when you frame it like that it doesn't sound too impressive. Yeah. Now but, in the east, completely different. There's hundreds of species. Well, maybe there's at least tens of species in any given forest, you know, ecosystem. Right. This is this is the land of the Douglas fir. It, it is. Yeah. The Douglas yeah. fir is king. Our diversity is very low. But then, if we do look back and say, with um, the Asian longhorn beetle, it loves all maples. That could come over here. And with the introduction of the ash borer, uh-huh. that takes all the ash and all the maples right off the top. Right. So that could completely destroy us just like that. Hmm. So it's this broad kind of generalist insect that could come over and cause us a lot of trouble. Right. So what I did is I basically said, well, what else, what other kinds of diversity can we do? It doesn't, this 10, 20, 30 rule, it doesn't say that we can, it doesn't encourage 
diversity, it just puts a limit on certain planting practices. So it puts a top limit, but it doesn't say how how many we should have. So it says no more than 10%, but it doesn't say, but you should shoot for 1%, you know? Oh, okay, sure. So I would say, well, maybe, what if it says, uh, what if you say you should have no more than 10% of any one species, but you should shoot to have two percent of any one species so that means you have at least 50 different trees across an entire urban forest and that would then make that if anything came over and attacked a single species two percent of your urban forest is going to be affected i i now i'm looking at this from the perspective of like a city tree planner yeah and they get the they get the notice or whatever and they're like 10 20 30 huh that's pretty that's pretty simple let's go with that yeah instead of well, can we get it down to two? Yeah, can we, like how, it's it's almost a little too simple. Yeah. And it happens in the city all the time where people just want to plant the tree that they know. They want them all to be the same. They all want them to look really good and have a like, really beautiful fall color. Can we just plant maples? Can we just plant five maples? And you say, no. And if you say, okay, you can plant five maples, mm. then the next person's like, okay, come on, what about me? I just want to plant five <laughs> maples. So it's like, okay, you can do it. And then everyone sees their own space as their own space but when you're looking at it from a big larger perspective all of a sudden you find that you need this this larger more intense uh means of analyzing these things and that is i think the big thing that the red maple has kind of like become where everyone just wants the the easiest thing just for themselves but then if everyone wants it just for themselves and it's all the same thing your diversity just goes straight to the toilet yeah so that is uh, that's kind of the thing that I've thought about, Alex. This not even to mention diversity in terms of structure. Like mm. all these trees are shaped the same way. Ah, they all grow the same way. Interesting. They there's no conifers. There's no trees that grow out. There's very few trees that maybe grow exactly straight up. Right. There's uh, a, not a diversity temporally speaking. All of these trees will have the same thing happening at the same time of year, mm. and there's no diversity. And all these other things. Yeah, hey, interesting. So all of a sudden, diversity in terms of an urban forest, when you look at, say, a natural forest, you can quantify all these different things and you can go back there every two weeks and say, what's the same? What's different? What's doing something now? Yeah. And you can find all these differences in time and space uh, across an entire you know ecosystem. So if we look at hmm. the city in the same way, all of a sudden, it's like this tree is a scourge on the earth is that the right term scourge scourge i think it's scourge Mm -hmm. yeah scourge on the earth alex it is uh so this tree for me and and technically speaking um i think the norway maple actually is the most represented tree in the urban forest in portland and in a bunch of other places because it kind of took over the uh the planting after um what are those guys dutch elm disease came through after 9-11 they only norway maples it's the safest tree (laughs) it's the most patriotic tree (laughs) yeah so um so this is a tree that is is just if if we could go to everyone and say starbucks yeah is causing so many problems in the world yes i know it tastes the way you want it it's consistent does the same thing every time but they also have 
all these other little problems and they're killing off the diversity of all the other things that are in this same ecosystem and they've caused blindness and uh, the issue of convenience to be the more important thing. Mm-hmm. Is that good still? You or know, you know what ninety nine percent of people would say. Stop drinking Starbucks. No. Stop planting the Starbucks of trees, Alex. I can't say anymore. Wow, Casey <laughs> tapped out for the first time ever. <laughs> oh my god. It really is a new year. <laughs> new year, new Casey. Well, Case, <laughs> let's get into our review. But first, we must take a break. You go get some water, walk around the block, get your hackles down. Yeah, everyone relax, <laughs> take some deep breaths. Go get your Starbucks. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. That was our discussion of the red maple. It got a little heated. Hey, we got a little red in the face, huh? Uh, It's time for our review. If you're new to the show, sorry. This is how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. Casey, as our resident Starbucks-obsessed person uh it's a called a barista start as uh, i wonder if they have starby as our as our resident (laughs) starby we begin with you all right so this tree as you know has um a special place in my heart for better or for worse for better or for worse we hold on to the traumas that we uh, experience (laughs) yeah for all the different things so whenever i was doing an inventory Uh and there would be like a potentially really cool tree i would see it and when it turned out to be a red maple i'd be Mm. like oh yeah mm, all right and like they're just a dime a dozen and they're not the greatest trees but they also constantly are growing someplace that's like no other tree is going to grow. They are, they're on the level of the sweet gum and the London plane tree and the Norway maple where it's like wherever it is growing, sometimes it's going to be a great situation and mm. they're going to be doing great. Maybe they're going to be destroying the sidewalk, but they're still doing really well. Maybe they'll be in the middle of downtown Portland. They will have, they'll look like they've been locked in this tiny eight by four foot little rectangle, yet they're doing great. Right. They got this massive root system that doesn't make any sense to you at all because it looks like a square plate. 
I have to give it credit. I have to give this tree credit for withstanding and being able to grow in these worst places. But at the other side of it, my God, if this tree is never planted for the rest of my life anywhere ever, I will be so happy. Yeah. Every time the city of Portland has a, um, a moratorium on planting any maples as street trees. Wow. Because we have so many of them. Just between the Norway maple and the uh, red maple, we have something like 20 or 25% of all the trees. Shit. And that doesn't even include the silver maples and the sugar maples and the Japanese maples and all the other maples that we have. So it's really like there are too many. Yeah. We have to We have to pull that back in because if something does come through maple disease X, we're doomed. Hmm. So we're not even allowed to plant them. I believe in it. Whenever I see one planted, I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't be there. And wow. I'll, I'll like call it in and be like, yeah, you can't plant a red maple. Can't believe it. Can't do it. Mm. So three point one. This tree. This tree needs to go. Its time is done. It is time to find the boutique tree that makes the most sense, but actually has some artisan qualities to right. it. That's that's what we need. We need a spiritual successor to the yes, red maple. Exactly. And this tree does not. Which we have. I should be very clear. We've covered. 20 or 30 of them just on this oh. show i'm sure for in terms of diversity of everything we talked about sure so this tree needs to go all right and it needs to go I, I i don't think i'm gonna really hurt its feelings if i say stop planting the red maple because it's the most common tree in all the forests of the entire eastern half of north america right so i don't think that this tree is going to be like but my space it doesn't give a shit about you it doesn't give a shit i you know i if you want to get the red maple out of circulation and caught the fall of the red maple yeah set it into motion i think giving it a, a low cone score is the best way to start the ball rolling i, I agree i agree alex thank you very much yeah. i i can't explain to you how much confidence i have in our reviews changing the world yeah 3.1 okay yeah i have a 3.1 golden cones of honor for the red maple um, I know you see this tree with a different eye. I slightly, Casey. Okay, not right. not too much. The, I have one fond memory of the red maple. Oh, tell us. As a child, I believe we had one in our backyard, uh-huh. and I would take the young twigs, which were red, yeah, and kind of strip the the paper thin bark off of them uh-huh. and make little bracelets. Oh, that is actually really nice. Yeah, yeah, I totally support that. However, I'm I don't I I'm not one for nostalgia. Mm. So that does not play into my cone score today. Okay. With fresh eyes learning about the red maple, I don't really care about it, but I definitely think from what I've heard, it's completely overplanted. And now that you've, we've talked about it, I will see them everywhere. Yeah. The same way I did the ginkgo, but I love the ginkgo. Yeah. So I, it's a little, it's a little much. I'm going to give it a, I don't know, a two. Oh, yes. That's, that's what I'm talking about, Alex. That's also said with, like, shrug shoulders. Like, I don't really care about Ugh, this tree. That is so, so refreshing. I'll just you. give it, I'll, I'll, I'll toss it a two from across the room. Yeah, there you go, kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even say anything to it. Just, good. There you go. Yeah. And I said that in my head. I feel good. So, a two and a 3.1, we average out to about 
two point six or that so. Sounds, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. That's rough, Case. Yeah. First tree of the year. <laughs> First tree of the quite year. Quite a doozy. That was our review of the <laughs> red maple. Casey, it's time for a game. Oh yeah, let's and do it. It's time for a game with a little bit of a twist. Oh. This is Who Can It Tree Now? 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 All right, Casey, here's how this game usually works. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will pick a tree from the Sibley Guide to Trees by David Allen Sibley. Yep. A god, the our our canonical god. If we had one, it is. Um, a canonical this is the Bible. God. Uh, and uh. I will give you twenty <laughs> questions. Was it or ten questions? Um, it's twenty, I believe. Okay, about. I think it. I think it's twenty. Okay, I think it's ten. Okay, let's go ten. I think it's ten. Ten questions about the tree to narrow it down, and then you, on after your tenth question, have to guess the tree that I'm thinking of. Yep. However, today, I will be in the role of the guesser, and you will be the one choosing the tree. That's right. So I'm going to toss you this book. Okay, I'm going to catch it. Whoa! Nice frisbee skills. Thank you. I've been practicing. So, Casey, you go ahead and choose a tree from the David Sibley Book of Trees. Yes, sir. And I will get 20 questions. Ten. Ten questions. I thought you were just trying to trick me right then. No, just poor memory. All right. Um, I'll mark them down, too. I'll mark them down. Here we go. Have you found the tree? I have. I have found the tree. I am ready when you are. Okay. My first question. Is this... It'll still be interesting to see the difference between the questions you ask and the uh, questions I ask. Yes. Okay. I think that's also a very curious uh um, thing. I can what, see the oh, book. Sorry, I, I didn't see anything, but okay, I could. Good. Uh, is this a conifer? No. It's one question. And I can. This is all yes or no questions. Yes. Right. Okay. Is this a broadleaf tree? Yes. If you chose the red maple. <laughs> Uh, no, but I don't okay. think that's an actual question. No. Um, <laughs> does this tree grow naturally in the Pacific Northwest? No. <sighs> okay. A broadleaf tree that maybe grows in the east. Yes. That was not a question. <gasps> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I found a loophole. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> which is, would you categorize this tree? I say that the yes or no. Would you categorize this tree as a big tree? Yes. Mm, okay. Is this an oak tree? No. Fuck. Okay. I was gonna ask. This is not. I'm not asking this. Okay. All I right. was gonna ask. Is this an? Is this tree oppositely or alternately arranged? Yeah. Okay. But I would not know what to do with that information oh, if I had it. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. maybe we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what to do. Uh, like, God. okay, great. Yeah, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that. Um, is this a deciduous tree? That is affirmative. Okay. Damn, I've already asked six questions. Yeah. 
Um, it's a deciduous tree that grows in the east. Mm-hmm. It's a broadleaf deciduous tree that grows in the east. Yeah. Okay. Is it a maple? No. Oh, it's not a maple or an oak. Nope. Shit. Um, is it a tree whose wood is widely revered by the woodworking community? No. Wow. No. Okay. So it's an eastern broadleaf deciduous tree, a big tree. Yeah. And the woodworking community is not all that crazy about it. They're not all crazy about it. Is there a European version of this tree? Yes. That's a good question. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... I get one more question. Ooh. Well, I already asked, does it grow here naturally? Is mm-hmm. it planted here? Yes. That's 10. That's 10, Alex. I must now guess. You must now guess or start having negative questions. <laughs> I end up with negative 30 questions. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have a guess. Is it not this tree? <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple guesses. Can I start with one? Yeah. Is it the European beach? It is not Fuck. the European beach. Okay, okay you that's got, fine. Yeah, I'll give you three three good an- or good guesses. Okay, great. My next one is it the European hornbeam? It is not the European hornbeam. Okay, great. <laughs> and it's not the larch. Nope, because nope. it's a broadleaf tree. It's a broadleaf tree, correct? You got that right. European. Also, just in case it, uh, I mean, this is, we're already beyond it, but if you did ask if it's alternate or opposite, yeah. it's alternate, so it would not have been a significant reducer in terms of uh, the, all, the the options that you get. It would take away literally, I think, only uh, maples so far of what you said. Oh, okay. All and the other ones would have been viable answers. It's not an oak and it's not a maple. Yeah. Nor is it a beech or a hornbeam. Right. European... And it grows on the East Coast. Yep. And it's a big... People are screaming at me right now. I can, uh, just, I can just feel it. Maybe. there You you have not narrowed it down significantly. No? No. What would In be term- a really big narrow downer question? Uh, you haven't asked about the fruit or the flower. Oh, shit. Damn it. Does it eat an edible... I'll, I'll, do- I'll give you four more questions. All right, great. Does it grow an edible fruit? No. <gasps> Hmm. Wow. Does it have, uh, would you call its flower a utility flower? No. I mean, you could, but I think in this case, no. Would you say that its leaves, I haven't asked about the leaves. No. Are its leaves simple or compound? These are simple leaves got two more and it's a it's the european version it's not necessarily the european version but it has a european version yes i will be honest i actually uh there are two different or there's several different versions of this tree mm-hmm. i decided if you just get the general version of it that you would you would get it correct because initially i started thinking i'm going to do the european version yeah but then i was like oh but that's not unfair or that's a little unfair because this is specifically a north american sure. book so then i switched over to the american version they're very similar except for like a very specific difference whoa but that's what, so they're they're all the questions, if you just get them all right, you'll get the you'll get the tree. Oh if, you, if you continue down, uh, all but like a very particular question would set them apart. Other than where do they grow? Can I use my third guess? Uh, yeah. 
Is it the Southern Magnolia? It is not the Southern Magnolia. Southern Magnolia is evergreen. You know that this is a deciduous tree. Right. You still have two more questions and one final guess. <sighs> okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> what did you say about a utility flower? Uh, it does not have a utility flower. Okay. Uh, so I, you'll, I, I don't want to fill in what that would mean. But you said, does it have a utility flower? I said, no. Okay, yeah. Okay. Do animals eat the fruit? Hmm. I think... They, I bet you, uh, not really, not really. Oh, I lost, I lost my place. So it's not the American chestnut. No, it is, it is not. I'm not, uh, I'm not responding to that. Fuck. Casey, I, 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 I think I'm out of ideas. Uh-oh. It's a horrendous failure. Um, well, you have two more que- or one more question. One more question. Okay, because uh, you've, you've asked uh, you, your three of your additional four. Does the, the which spe- we found laying right over here? They were just covered, so you had them. <laughs> you had them the whole time. Let me check the rule book. Um, you said there was a very specific difference between the American and the European versions of this tree. Yeah, is that difference in the fruit? No. My final guess is this. Before you go too far, uh-huh. you can ask whatever next thing you want to ask, but uh-huh. Alex, go through what you've got so far. Okay. It is a broadleaf, big broadleaf deciduous tree. Yeah. That grows on the East Coast. Yes. This is the American version of, there's there's an American and there's a European version. Yeah. It does not have an edible or notable fruit. Uh-huh. It does not have, no, or it, it does not have utility flowers, which yeah. we're using to mean... Like the reason I chose Magnolia and forgot yeah. about the deciduousness mm. uh, was that it has like a statement flower. Yeah. So yeah, I was, yeah. I, that's my way of asking: Does this have a statement flower? And I think that yes, you're on the right. Okay. You're on the right track there. Although I have to admit, I don't know if you're thinking of the right statement. Well, the Bradford pear. <laughs> oh no, it's not the Bradford <laughs> pear. Dang it! Oh man, I was hoping. You thought I knew it. <laughs> All right, Casey. Well, I lost that round. What is the tree? This is Tilia Americana, the American Linden. I would never in a billion fucking years have gotten that. That's why I was hoping you'd just say Linden. Uh, I think you could have. Uh, a, I made sure to choose a tree that we'd covered, which was the actual Little Leaf Linden, which is the right. the, the variety. So that's why I was like, wow, well, this may have been a bunk because I ended up choosing a, a not the best tree for the given situation. But... Uh, all the things you asked were correct. The thing that separates them is the one we covered has little leaves. The one that's American has bigger leaves. Got it. That's pretty much it. Well, you can't win them all. That was who can a tree you now. You can't win them all. And now it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. This week's question is from the Patreon. If you want to submit a question for the mainline episodes, patreon.com slash arbitrary pod and join the Q&A tier. That's Quercus and Alder tier. This one's from Jade Walker. Hi, guys. Hi, Jade. Hello, Jade. My question is probably more about perception than trees. Oh, my gosh. I have Sibley's Guide to Trees. Okay. The the, reason I chose this is because- This one right here? It's literally in your hand. Okay. But I have yet to identify any tree using it. Oh. Am I looking at the illustrations correctly, or am I expecting too much from this guide? Interesting. For example, I was told that the tree that I can see from my townhouse- 
is a river birch. But mm. when I look in the guide, I can't really see the resemblance. Thanks, Jade. Oh, interesting. Um, I I have some I have some direct familiarity with this problem. Yeah. Well, b- b- begin. In my experience, you can only. I mean, yes, you can tell. Like, there's there's ver- there's a spectrum here. If yeah. I pick up a dug, if I pick up a cone from the ground in front of a tree, yeah, and it's a Douglas fir cone. Yeah. I know that the tree above me is a Douglas fir. Yeah, but at least you have a, an idea that it might be. Or I can see other Douglas fir cones on it, right? Okay, yeah. That's, that's like that's the clue. Yeah, that's like a super easy way, right? Yeah. If I walked up to, I don't know, a London plane tree, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I had the book in front of me. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, the leaves kind of look like that. Yeah, the bark kind of looks like that. My experience is that even trees of the same species do not look exactly alike for the yeah. most part. Yeah. They might have, you know, extremely similar flowers or there might be like one thing that's like really notable. And I'm talking about from a beginner's perspective here. Yeah. I, th- I think I get you. Yeah. As I am. And I'm, I'm assuming Jade is, but I don't want to assume their level of expertise in trees, expert trees. <laughs> uh, when I when I when I started trying to identify plants from a guide, yeah, I kind of like I, I don't know I wasn't really like it wasn't really like clicking with me all that much. Yeah, honestly, I, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, and it's it's one of these things where um, it what did you call when you go through Netflix? Uh, analysis, analysis paralysis. paralysis yeah. That's exactly what I think is happening. And it happens, I think, way more often than you anyone really gives it credit for mm. when you're trying to identify plants, which is probably why a lot of people are like, I just I'm not even gonna start. I'm not even gonna try. Sure. The so that's one of my biggest issues with this guide specifically. And I can I interject to say please yesterday I saw a sweet little bird out my window. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to try to identify that bird. Ah, nice. And I grabbed my Sibley bird guide. Yeah. Because that's where it's all started, funny enough. Right. Uh, it's a great guide. It's just like the tree guide, but with birds. Yeah, beautifully. Everything's done well. Yeah, yeah it's that. amazing. And I, I like got it in my hands, and I was like, I don't even know where to start. Yes. Like, you have yes. to know that that's a duck in yes. order to go to the duck's. And try to find what it looks like, right? It's exactly right. And that is one of the biggest downfalls to the Sibley Guide is it has everything listed in the botanical kind of way, but it doesn't give you it in an analytical kind of way where um, what they call it generally is a dichotomous key. Hmm. And that's a key that literally says, um, is it like this? Or is it like this? Oh. And they use big, broad, general terms, and they get down to very specific terms as you narrow down and narrow away other things. Who can it tree now? Exactly. That is, whenever I do who can it tree now, except for maybe the first time, I I was like, oh my God, I just need to ask yes or no questions and try to ask them from the biggest, widest spaces down to the most specific. That way you can, you know, put these, uh, a structure to what your brain is thinking as you're going down. That's why when I asked, is it oppositely or alternatively arranged? You said, well, it won't really help. It won't narrow it down that much now. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, that's a high level question. Exactly. That breaks it into two bigger categories. Precisely. Okay. And it just so happens in the North America, those categories, even though they are are two big categories one is like 10 percent, and the other is 90 percent of what's mm. left and so there's so many more alternate trees than there are opposite trees 
So in this case, um, the you get all the different answers. They're inside this book, but they may not give you a way to find that answer. They're all listed right. there, but they're all kind of, for all intents and purposes, randomly scattered through there. Unless you know it's an oak, like you said, you got to know it's a duck to go to the duck section. Once you know it's an oak, you can go to the oak section and read through it. And then if you just look at the pictures, you can be like, oh, yeah, okay, it looks like this oak more than that oak. So I bet you it's going to be this one. And Jade's specific problem, the the river birch outside their townhouse, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it doesn't really match up all that much with with the tree in the book. Right. Um, I, I chalk that up to the fact that even among species, there is visual diversity. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate, but it also is a question of what are you, what are you looking at? Um, and what's important about that, sorry, I'm just navigating to it so I can see it. There are like, you know, in, in, any, in any given species, I feel like there are certain identifiers that are more useful than others exactly yeah and some trees are different when they're young as compared to when they're old and it also right. you need some means of saying 100 one way or the other like what a key would do so for instance i i tell this whenever i'm teaching people how to identify trees a lot of them would just walk up to the tree and just kind of look at it and i'm like you got to talk to yourself say okay What does the leaf look like? Mm. And then describe the leaf to yourself out loud. Like, okay, it's a single leaf. It's alternately arranged. It's coming down on this side over here. Oh, but it has a base that's a little offset. That immediately is like, oh, there's a clue. Yeah. Then you say, oh, well, it has um, the serrations along the edges. Aha, okay, another clue. Wait, I know this tree. Exactly. And then you start going down. Then all of a sudden, as you narrow it down, you start saying, oh, what? Okay, Birches should have these little fruits that are on there. Then you start looking for that fruit. The problem is once you don't see that fruit and you're like, oh, okay, so maybe this isn't a birch. Could not be a birch. Could be a tree that actually is um, just not old enough to be putting on that fruit. Also, it could be a cultivar that doesn't have fruit, you know? So it kind of gets a little weird, unfortunately. So the thing that I would recommend is the the best way to do it is you got to first start with knowing what trees are in an area. So if this is a river birch, then the thing that I would do is I'd look through this guide, find river birch and say, okay, there it is. It looks like a river birch. What am I looking for for a river birch? And I would read through all the different things, deciduous, medium to large tree, usually under 60 feet, but often to 80. And then look at all the specificities of the leaf and the bark. Mm -hmm. And then be able to say, okay, yeah, I think this is a river birch. Then I would also look it up online and I'd say, okay, what does a river birch look like? Let me get some pictures of it at different times of year let me look at the twigs let me look right. at the uh the leaves the fall color the winter uh form things like that and really do the okay i think it's this now i'm going to go research that to see if it's in case or in fact the case sure i would like to propose an alternative uh solution yeah please. maybe the person who told jade that this is a river birch was just wrong that is also the final thing yeah to be like this is not that can't be but then of course that throws you to a whole other mess because now you're like well if it's not a river birch is it even a birch right if it's not a birch then what kind of tree is it kind of start over yeah and then you got to know more specifics about trees which again the sibley guide is great but you got to start knowing what you're looking for so you can look for it mm-hmm. and then if it's not in the sibley guide you're like okay then it's probably not a native tree to uh to north america so then you're like well what 
non-native trees do they plant in my area at this point in time? And then it's like, well, who the hell knows? Sure. Which is why, please don't copy me, anybody. My, I think that people need to have guides for urban trees of their area. So for Portland and for the Pacific Northwest, we can plant hundreds of different species of trees in our streets, in our yards, but the Sibley Guide's pretty useless for most of those because many of them are Asian species. Many of them are trees that do grow in the east, but they look a lot like five other trees that grow in the east. So when you're looking through here, you're like, oh, this looks like a pagoda oak. Cool, there's a pagoda oak here. And then you tell that to someone and everyone's like, nobody plants pagoda Mm. oak around here. That's completely crazy. That's certainly a scarlet oak. And you're like, Oh, okay. I guess it must be a scarlet oak. And then now you now you're, you're like, well, you can't figure out why and now you're you're kind of lost still. And the only piece of information you needed to know is that nobody plants a scarlet oak. Same thing with Pacific silver fir and any other fir. That's a native tree to the Pacific Northwest. You go out to the mountains uh, over in the Cascades, you're going to see Pacific silver fir b- above 2000 feet below 4000 feet all over the place but you'll almost never find them growing down in the city. Mm. Nobody plants them. And if they do, that's the only one that's ever been planted. (laughs) So it's one of those things that's like, if you know, if you can get all the native species guides of all the world, and you'll never be able to tell what tree's planted in front of your yard, because even if it is a native tree, nobody plants it. If it's not a native tree, well, then what the fuck kind of tree is it? Interesting. So I don't know if we've really answered uh, Jade's question. Yeah, I've given you some options yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but the big thing that I would do is see if um, see if you can find a a local guide or a horticulture um, a horticultural guide to say what trees are planted here, and then go through. And unfortunately, you might have to wait till wintertime. I'm sorry, tell springtime so you can actually see the leaves and mm. really, really take a good look. That's another yeah, thing, yeah. Wintertime ID is really hard unless you really know what you're looking for and yeah. you're confident in all those little clues. Right. So this, if you can, go online, look up the river birch, find a bunch of really intense pictures of the bud, the bark, the fruit, things like that, and then do your do your calculations on it. There you go. And And check multiple different sources. Not just your friend. Yeah, not just your friend. Your sibling. friend. I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah, please. <laughs> just, um, I, I'm kidding. And now the reason, so everyone's like, well, why do you guys always tout this book? It's because if you are able to actually know, uh, kind of have a good starting mm-hmm. spot, and you can say, okay, I'm pretty sure this is a river birch, or I'm pretty sure it's a birch, which one is it? Right. You can go through and kind of read. And it's really good at all the native trees across the United States. So if you take this from forest A to forest B, anywhere in the United States, it's probably going to give you the right tree. I've used this up and down the coast of uh, the West Coast, all across the United States, and it's consistently been a good measure of what is this tree that's growing here. But as soon as you take it to a horticultural level, this book is completely inadequate. Mm. You got to have other things that come in that help you narrow down trees that shouldn't be naturally necessarily growing there, because this is focused on what's naturally growing there. Because what he's doing is saying this bird is in this kind of forest with these trees. So here's how you identify that kind of forest and those trees. That's why it's a Sibley Guide to Trees. There you have it. There you go. So I'm sorry, Jade. I feel bad. (laughs) Thank you so much for your question, Jade. If you have a question for us, 
I've already said all this. Join the Patreon, the Quercus Nolder tier. That's three bucks a month. Or you can join the Arboretum at $5 a month and get two bonus episodes about other related topics and trees. That's exactly right. Alex, there's another uh, There's another couple episodes. We got a lot of things planned. We sent, We spent planning time the other day. That's right, yeah. And we also included things that we're going to talk about with the Patreons. So we yeah. got a lot of fun, exciting new things. And we also noted that the our Patreon, our extra bonus content, it's not just what we cut out from the show. No, it's its own thing. Exactly. We talk about something completely different. You'll also have access to the last two years worth of all of our content. So it's a very good thing to join. That's only $5 a month. And on top of that, you get 15% off at our store. That's right. Or you can join the coveted Cone of the Month Club. I would say our flagship tier. Agreed. Every month you'll receive a unique die-cut cone sticker from a different species illustrated by an independent artist. Every month in your inbox with a little info card, every envelope licked by Casey Clapp. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's the big selling point. It really is. Or you can join Arbitrary Plus, our new live stream tier, and get two live streams a month. One from Casey and I, where we talk about a host of things and interact with you in the chat. We're going to be doing a Zoom call pretty soon here to yes. really be able to talk to you. And then one of me streaming a plant or tree themed or nature themed video game, which I've really been enjoying. Um, just to like a fun, cozy night hanging out with me and Casey. Yeah, exactly. You can talk about whatever it is. We usually are, are quite free and open. Yeah. But we also have one other level, generous admission, if you really are looking to come in and just support the show, get more really cool things happening. Um, that's uh, that's where you can basically uh, help us out the at whatever level it is that you want to help us out. There you go. Casey Clapp. Alex, we did it again. We've done it again. We've done it again, and we'll be back next week. This hour... Hey, you know what? We are just about to hit our 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 two year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making funny, this show. Funny enough, it's on uh, January sixth. Oh, that's yeah, right. I remember. <laughs> I remember doing a recording that day, and uh, that was the big day that everything came out. So, oh, according, I think, boy. to Allie Ward, um, she said today is arbitrary day. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Not a great look. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, hey, thank you everybody for listening for two whole years. If you're new here, welcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we got plenty more to come. Casey Clapp, thank you so much for your friendship and your partnership with this podcast. Alex Croson, right back at you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 